Well, happy Mother's Day to all our mothers. Turn around and look at a mama and say, we're glad you're here. Let's, we've got a special clip. Let's see if it rolls right. That clip. This spring. There we go. Only one hero can save her family and prevent disaster. Mom, we're going to be late for school. I don't think so. Whoa. Experience the phenomenon that critics are calling inspiring. Mom, I can't find number 17. Come on, Billy. Dig deep. A lot of fun. And pure genius. Mom, where's my phone? Table. Keys. Mudroom. Dragon Man. Under the couch between the monkey and the flip-flop. How does she do that? Created by God to demonstrate his love with grace, elegance, and poise. Butane torch. So, a special blessing to our mothers today. We hope you enjoy your family and your day after service today for the mothers that are here. Uh, we have two photographers that'll be taking your pictures up against the brick wall. Uh, we won't push you against the brick wall, there's a seat for you and the uh, family can sit around you, so make sure that you take time to get a picture made today. I want to talk to you today about when love hurts. How many of you have ever been hurt before? And so, you know, sometimes people say, well, I'm just not going to put myself out there because I, you know, I, I got hurt and but love hurts, just ask any mother. They say that giving birth to a baby is the closest thing you can come to death. That pain, well now, you know, days they've got these, I don't know what they call them, what is it? Blocks, epidural, and uh, they got, I know when I, uh, Debbie was getting ready to deliver, I think it was uh, Jonathan, I went in, and it, it happened so quick with Bethany. It was a different story. But with Jonathan, she went in, and she was in a lot of pain. And they told her that there were several different things that they could give her. You know, one was like would kind of make her laugh. And she looked up at him, and she said, could I get some of that stuff that will make me laugh? <laughs> and so it's but, – but pain. But it's also the easiest pain to forget, and I've thought about that, and it's because of what they put in your arms, the baby, what you carried for so long and was a part of you even though you couldn't see it. There's a scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 to 10 that I want to 
read for you this morning. It says, there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. Everybody say painful. He was the one who prayed to God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted his request. Several years ago, there was a book that came out called The Prayer of Jabez. And it talked about Jabez's dilemma that his mother experienced pain. Everybody say pain. Sometimes love hurts, doesn't it? But what she did is when she experienced the pain, instead of releasing the pain and forgetting the pain, she chose to memorialize the pain. I want you to stay here with me because we have a bad habit of memorializing those things that hurt. And the way that she did that was she named her son Jabez. His name translated means to grieve or grievous, sorrowful, to painful. And so instead of forgetting the pain when she held him and moving past the pain and on into the promise, she memorialized the pain by calling her son Jabez. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this, but I just know from living that there were a lot of people when they were born that weren't celebrated. If you want the ideal picture of what mama should look like, look at God. So, well, what do you, wait a minute, well, God's our father. No, you need to understand something about God. It said that he created male and female and in his image created he them. So this is what you've got to understand is that when God created Adam, God's the one that said it's not good for man to be alone. And so what God does is he creates woman. Everybody say woman. If you, do you understand that the term woman means womb of man? That's how you get the term woman, womb of man. So what God does is God had put a part of his character into Adam, but he said, wait a minute, it's not good for Adam to be alone. So what he does is he realizes Adam is missing something. So he creates one man and he puts the other attributes of his character into that woman. And so She's the nurturer that Adam wasn't. The hugger that a lot of times men aren't, but my wife's broke me in pretty good, so I'm. Everybody say he's huggable. <laughs> so what happened then is we have a picture of what mom ought to be in God. But oftentimes I've met people and that's not what they experienced. They, their, their pain was memorialized by their mother. 
or their father. And I know this is a little different today, but I want you to stay with me because I'm going someplace. Because everybody doesn't have the leave it to beaver experience. I know everybody just looked at me like they're shell-shocked. What is leave it to beaver? It's what it should have looked like before married with children came along. Are you with me? It was, it was, you know, the Donna Reed show. Woo. Blast from the past. Now we got Beavis and Butthead. Well, we don't even have that now. That's, that's, that's a blast from the past. We, what I'm trying to get you to see is this, is that even our entertainment used to take a picture of what the promise ought to be of what the family ought to be and what it could be and what it should be. And that's what was portrayed before us. And so we understood some things about family and motherhood and fatherhood. But today that's been broken. It's been shredded. And now they, every semblance of what family ought to look like is taken from us and it's replaced with an imposter. Everybody say an imposter. God always intended for you to have a mother that loved you and a father that loved you, but sometimes we have trouble as individuals pushing past our pain. And if you can't get past your pain, then it's almost impossible for you to share love because you hurt so much. So when love hurts, you've got a choice. You can either memorialize it or you can push past it and begin to try and embrace the promise. Well, let me share with you, Jabez made up his mind. I'm not gonna, I am not going to let my mama's pain determine who I am. Boy, it's quiet in here today. I'm not going to let what happened to my parents get in me. Is anybody in this house today? I, I just want you to understand something, that when they called Bartimaeus, do you understand Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus? But if you read the commentary behind that, they believe that not only is Bartimaeus a blind man, but he's the son of a blind man. So you've got darkness being passed from one generation to another generation. But Bartimaeus made up his mind, I'm going to take my pain to Jesus. I'm going to get something done with this. I'm going to deal with it in my generation so my children don't have to in theirs. And so he cries out, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And people are telling them to be quiet. How many of you have ever been told to shut up? I'm not asking you to say who told you. <laughs> you know, you just, you know, just kind of pushed off to the side. But look, when, you, when all you've known is darkness and all you've known is heartache, you just get tired of it. And Bartimaeus made up his mind, there's a guy that's passing by right now. I can't see him. But I've heard about him. And faith cometh by what? <laughs> Aren't you glad that faith cometh by hearing? He said, I, I can't see him, but I've heard about him. And so on hearing about him and hearing about who he is and what he can do, he takes faith, stands up and cries out when everybody else is telling him to be quiet. He cries out, have mercy on 
me. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jabez took his pain to God. He begins to cry out to God. He says, bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. What's he saying? I grew up, I'm speaking as Jabez now, okay? I grew up and every time my mom called my name, it was a constant reminder that I was a pain to her. I know a lady, and she said until she was five years old, she thought her name was SOB because that's what they called her until she was five years old before she realized that her name wasn't that. Do you understand that sometimes the world's messed up? But you don't, you're, you're not, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. So it's up to us to make up our mind that when love hurts, I'm going to push past the praying and embrace the promise. And that's what Jabez does. He pushes past the pain and he embraces the promise. Everybody say there is a promise. But we have a trouble pushing past the pain. There is a mother, her name is Rachel. She's losing her life, delivering her son. Everybody say she lost her life to deliver. Now she knows that she's dying. She knows that she's leaving. And as the boy is born and the handmaid says, oh, oh, you've given birth to another son. What she does is she speaks from her pain and she said, his name shall be called Benoni, son of my sorrow. And she left. But her daddy, I mean her husband walks in, Jacob walks in, and he's experiencing some pain too. The woman he had served 14 years for. Oh no, pastor, he served seven. No, no, he served 14. He never served seven years for Leah. He ended up serving 14 years to get Rachel. 14 years of his life, the woman that he loved had died, and there's a little baby that is the, quote, unquote, the response of, uh, you know, for her life going. He could uh, have looked at that child and grown bitter, but if anybody understood what it is uh, to be identified uh, by a name that can cause you grief for your whole life, uh, it was Jacob, uh, because my friend, it is God himself uh, that changes Jacob's name uh, and calls him Israel. And he looks at that little boy and that wife that has passed, and he pushes past all of his pain, and he reaches for a promise, and he said, his name shall not be called Benoni. He will not be the son of my sorrow. His name shall be Benjamin. He is the son of my strength, the son of my right hand. I'm telling you that whatever you've been through is not big enough, powerful enough, rough enough, or got stuff enough to keep God from doing what he's promised in your life if you'll reach for him. Everybody say, push past it. Sometimes we like to wallow in it. How many of you ever been hurt before? 
physically hurt. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you, if you, when you got physically hurt, milked it? You know what I'm talking about? I know God. <laughs> I had I had a brother today ask me. He said, "How's your thumb doing?" I was I appreciated him remembering because I didn't have the brace on my hand. I could have wore it. Oh, what's wrong with your hand? Oh, you still have a problem? Yeah, yeah, just still have a little problem. Still, you want to kiss it and make it better? <laughs> we, I, I know, a, 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 this is a true story. I know a boy that wore a Band-Aid for over a year. What's, what happened to you? There was nothing there. Peeled it back. There was a little scar that was healed up and done a long time ago. What are you doing? Mama told me to wear it. Because your mama's little baby. That gets old after a while, folks. I'm just telling you from experience. I was the, I was the, the youngest of five children. And when you go to a family reunion and you're a teenager and you're checking out, look, by this time they're like fourth and fifth cousins. I mean, they're, you know. <laughs> you're looking at all, you might be a redneck, you know what I'm kidding? You're looking, you're looking at, uh, at all, you know, you're checking out the girls, you know, and all this stuff. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, they come up and they say, you know, well, Pauline, who, who is this? You know, that was my mother's name. And then she introduces everybody. Oh, this is, this is my oldest, Daryl, and this is Paul, and, and, and this is Deborah, and this is Darlene. Why do you have to start using adjectives? When you start describing, why couldn't you just say, oh, this is my youngest son, Rick. And this is my baby. <laughs> you know what kind of ribbon you take from your first cousins when you get introduced as mommy's baby? And it doesn't matter how old you get. That's always who you are. Now, I want you to hear me for a second, because there's a difference between mama ascribing it with love and you milking it for a reason not to grow up. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, no, don't do that. Don't. <laughs> Anybody got a mirror? Just hold your hand up and look like it's a pocket and act like it's a pocket mirror. Hold your hand up like, come on, God gave you an imagination for something. Look, look at it. Look at it. Look at it. You see yourself? As, you, as you're looking at yourself, just go, oh, my wife's powdering her nose. She, and she's got an imagination. She didn't just have a mirror up. She invented a powder puff. <laughs> as, you're just, as, you, as you're just holding it up there, just, just say this with me. Just, just grow up. You know, if we're honest with ourselves... 
and we get tired. How many of you have ever got, don't raise your hands. How many of you have ever gotten tired sometimes of the way you act? I didn't know if you were raising a hand or pointing. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'm, no, I'm kidding. No. So my, my, here's my point. My point is you're going to have to forget about the pain because you can memorialize the memory of pain and it'll keep hurting even when it's not there. What do you mean? Have you ever heard about phantom pains? It's what they use in, I believe that's the correct terminology in the medical world, phantom pains. That somebody's had an, a leg or a foot amputated and all of a sudden they can feel their foot itching or they feel a pain in their foot and there's no foot there. What's happened? It's been memorialized in your mind. And even though it's not, I'm telling you that God wants to not dismember us. God wants to take away those things that have hurt us and he wants to rid your mind of the memory of that pain so you can focus on the joy of your promise so you can begin to walk toward what he has for you instead of where you've been everybody say when it hurts now look, Jesus understands your pain. Rachel gave up her life to deliver Benjamin, and Jesus gave up his life in order to deliver us. He understands your pain. He understands your pain. He did not let his pain cloud his purpose. And neither can we let it cloud ours. When he's on the cross and he is crying, he's in, if anybody was in pain, he was in pain. But he refused to allow the pain to cloud his purpose. I'm just going to tell you, folks, thank God it wasn't one of us hanging up there. Because if we'd have had the option to come off of the cross, well, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me, and I know me pretty good, and I might have just come off of the cross and said, Michael, wipe him out. He said he could call for more than 12 legions of angels. Do you understand that it was the first Adam that got us in trouble? Yeah. Is anybody in the house? Everybody go, you're related to him. <laughs> you're, that, some of his DNA is in you. But it was a second Adam that would bring us back to him. That will get us back in right standing. And the reason is, is because he didn't allow pain to cloud his purpose. And he, in pain, looked out over the crowd that had screamed, crucify him, away with him. And this is what his response was, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Boy, it means something to really be able to forgive, doesn't it? 
to really be able to, it's easy to say it, but it's another thing to do it. It's just two words, forgive them. But when that comes from the depths of your heart, it doesn't just free them, it frees you. Because you're not holding them in prison any longer with your feelings and you're not allowing them to hold you in prison any longer. Forgive them. When love hurts, and how many of you know that love can hurt? Come on up. I want to share with you the story of a woman that had to give up her son. I want you to watch for a moment because a lot of times we read the story, but we never think about what was she going through as she was preparing to release her child. I don't want to do this. Why would God give you to me just to make me give you away? God, I don't want to do this. I know I have to trust you. She knows that if she keeps him, he will not survive. Because an order had been given for every male child to be thrown and drowned in a river. He's three months old. She can't hide him anymore. And she makes the decision that will affect both of their lives forever. To commit him into the hands of God. She knows certainly that he dies if he stays with her. And she can't bear the thought of watching her baby torn from her arms and thrown into a river. So instead, she takes her baby to God commits that child into the presence of the Lord, puts him in a basket, and takes him to the very place that was destined to destroy him. The difference is, this time, she's putting him in and entrusting him to God. Your children are going to face this world one way or another. And they'll either, they'll either be torn apart in front of your eyes or you can make up your mind uh, that you're going to commit them to the hands of God uh, and then release them uh, and watch what God does. I'm telling you, love hurts. And when love hurts, you've got to make up your mind whether you're going to memorialize the pain and live in the past or you're going to push past it and embrace the promise, embrace your purpose. Push past the pain and find your purpose. Can you imagine what it was like for her? In her mind, she thought he would die. But a little girl watched to see what would happen. Her name is Miriam. It's his older sister. 
And she's looking to see, will a crocodile come by? What will happen to this child that's been released into the hand of God? The Egyptian river, the Nile, was even considered a god. So think about it. She's believing that the God she serves is bigger than the God that's trying to take him down. The God she serves is able to keep him even in the midst of their enemy. No wonder David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. You're with me. And something happened there that day. As a matter of fact, Acts 7 and 21 and 22 records it this way. But when he was set out, everybody say set out. Some scriptures say abandoned. He's not abandoned. Let me say it to you this way because what... Well, I take that back. He is abandoned. He's been abandoned to God. Not, not, not thrown away, but given away to God. Abandoned to the hands of God. What became of that pain? What became of the pain that she felt when she laid him in the river? It says, but when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own. Everybody say own. And Moses, get this, and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Let's hang out here for just a second. What meant certain death for this child became a gateway to his purpose. What should have been his destruction became a pathway for deliverance. He was mighty in what? Words? Isn't this the guy that stands before Pharaoh or that stands before God and says, I, you can't send me. I'm slow of speech. I, 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 I can't speak. But it said he's mighty in words. If you look up the word there, if you look up the word words, what you find out is it's not just about speech, but it's about thought. It's about reasoning. And it's about communicating. God caused the enemy of Israel to educate a son of Israel so he could record the history of Israel. <laughs> the first five books of the Bible are credited to Moses. Where did he get the ability to learn that? The Egyptians taught him, and God used the Egyptians to get in him what he needed, so he was mighty in word. And he was mighty indeed. Josephus records, the historian Josephus records, that Moses was a general of an Egyptian army. 
that led a campaign against the Ethiopians and broke a stronghold that they were trying to impose against Egypt. Strong in word and deed. But not just when he was in Egypt. Because when he was in Egypt, he experienced pain. He went out one day and saw some of his folks being beaten with a whip. Hebrews said that Moses made a decision. He chose to join the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. It's easy when you're in the most powerful country on earth and you're considered royalty to lose track of who you really are. Pharaohs are considered a god, so what would his sons be considered? But he knew in his heart, and rather, he wrestled with this. You understand? What do I do? But he pushed past the pain to embrace a promise. Everybody say, it took him a while. <laughs> Forty years on the wilderness that gets you attention. Well, I, I'm going to live. I'm gonna, I am going to do what God called me to do someday. Forty years from now, it's not going to give me much time to do what he called me to do. Is <laughs> you don't have to keep pushing your promise off if you learn how to work through your pain. But even when he went to Moses. After 40 years, you would have thought Moses would have looked and said, oh, thank you so much for remembering me. I am ready, God. Let's go do this. But that's not what he said. He said, God, can you send somebody else? I'm not able. You've got to quit seeing yourself through your eyes or through the eyes of your parents or through the eyes of your friends and begin to see yourself through the eyes of God. And when you see yourself through the eyes of God, it changes everything. Can I point something out to you about what took place here? Pharaoh's daughter took Moses as her own. Everybody say own. No question of his heritage or worthiness. He was royalty. Do you understand? He's royalty. He's a prince of Egypt. Do you get that? What, what are you so excited about? She adopted him. And it, he wasn't held out, well, you're not, you're not really, you know, you're, you're just a, you know, a has-been. No, 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 no. No, he had every right that every Egyptian had. He was adopted. Well, what makes me so excited about that? I'm glad you asked me because that's exactly what happened to me. God adopted me. Oh, you're not getting it. Are you? You're adopted. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, You're adopted. 
You're adopted. Do you understand? That means that nobody gets to hold me up and say, oh, well, I remember what you were. You can't really be a child of God. I beg your pardon. (laughs) You can't question my worthiness. You can't question my heritage. (laughs) Because I'm royalty. The Bible said that we've been made that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That we ought to do that, that we ought to be able to shine forth to others and let them see the one that brought us out of darkness into this marvelous light. Just like Moses was picked up out of the jaws of death. Just like that Pharaoh's daughter rescued him from, an, from the Nile River, opened up that basket and saw him and took him out and said, from now on, you're mine. You belong to me. Everything that I have, you have. Everything that I am, you are. Do you understand that when he adopted us, he He made me a joint heir with who? (laughs) With Christ, his only begotten son. And yet through Christ, he he holds me up. Love hurts. God understood all about love hurting. He understood what Jochebed is going through when she has to give up her son in order for him to survive because God gave up his son in order for us to survive. When love hurts, Adam and Eve cost us our place with God. But Jesus restored our place with God. Romans 5 and 18 puts it this way. This is the message. I love the way it captures it. Listen to this. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did wrong and got us all in trouble with sin and death, another person did right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. Would you stand with me today? Everybody say, when love hurts. Years ago, Jonathan was, oh man, he was a, I guess, was he a year old when we were in Hammond, Louisiana, preaching that camp? He wasn't, he may have been a year, maybe between one and two years old, but he had gotten a splinter in his foot and we didn't notice it and, and all of a sudden Debbie notices his foot is you know swelling there and it looks infected and she starts to try and squeeze on that and the kid is going out of his mind and I'm about to go out of mine I'm looking at Debbie and going 
don't, don't, don't wait, wait, don't do that, don't do that. She goes, we gotta get this out of here. Love hurts. That's why I can't do, I, she kept squeezing and he's, ah! And all of a sudden, man, well, never mind. It, it, she got it out because she knew even though it was hurting, it was do- more detrimental to do nothing. So what's God do to us? Danny, sometimes God sees something in us that he knows is going to hurt us. And so he puts his arms around us. I know what it is to get in a headlock, have God put me in a headlock. And he begins to squeeze on us, not hurting us, not with the intent to harm. But he's not going to let us go until he gets what, until he gets out of us what's trying to destroy us because he's saying, you got a purpose and you're never going to embrace your purpose as long as you're memorializing this pain. So you got to let the pain go. Everybody say, let it go. Let it go. My daughter asked me to take my granddaughter to kindergarten. Nobody told me what was going to happen. They knew. They just didn't share that bit of information with me. They knew that for the last week that Shaylee went, ah! When you, you, you took her in, she'd just lose it, and she Nobody told me that. They just said, Dan, could you take Shaylee to kindergarten? Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem at all. We get to the school. Landon got out to go into his class, and Shaylee's still in the car. I said, you want Papa to walk you in? So I walk her in. We get to the kindergarten teacher. When I get to the kindergarten teacher and I start to say goodbye, she, <laughs> you know what that does to your heart? If you're a grandparent, you understand that. I'd rather take a beating than go through that. And she's crying and, and the teacher says, would you like to come and sit in the class with us for a little bit? You ever sat on a chair made for a five-year-old? <laughs> and of all the days, I, you know, I, ju- I just jumped up. I grabbed a hat. I didn't do anything with my hair. I may not have much of it, but folks, if I don't do something to it, <laughs> we get in there. I'm sitting down in that chair, and they say, now we'll all stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) 
I lifted it. <laughs> I wasn't doing this thing. I just kind of lifted it up. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. Come on, kids, can't you say this any faster? Put it back down. I am trapped in this class. I'm standing there and I'm thinking, I gotta get out of here. All of a sudden I go, I, I said, Paul Paul needs to go use the restroom. She said, okay, there's one in the corner of the class. <laughs> the urge just left me, folks. I just Finally, they get up and they start to go into another class for reading or something. And bet she has got a hold of me. She's, and so I'm, I'm walking. She's got a hold of me and I'm, I'm walking and she's in front of me. And I, I put my hand on her and I thought this is my only chance. And the door's right here. I've got my hand on her. So she starts walking and I stretch my arm out and she starts to walk and I slowly took my arm off and I opened that door and, and ste stepped out and closed it real quick. And you know how they've got those little narrow pane glasses in the doors? I looked back just long enough to see her turn around and see me gone and she went and I took off running the other way. I immediately drove up to my daughter's house, and you can ask her about this when she comes here. I drove up to, the, to her house, I got out and I went inside and I said, don't you ever do that to me again. <laughs> Sometimes love hurts. But see, if we're not willing to deal with the pain, then we produce a group of people that are ignorant to the ways of God that don't understand the love of God and God help us if the only thing we're acting on are our emotions because our emotions are a bag of mixed up stuff when it rains we feel depressed when the sun's shining and and we feel like going fishing instead of going to church. I wrestle with it every Sunday. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. When, do you understand what I'm talking about? When somebody says something to you that hurts your feelings, then we're letting our emotions become our compass and it's messing with our world. It's keeping us from our promise. But when our true north becomes his word, for God so loved the world that he gave. Then it makes me understand my value. It makes me understand that no matter what anyone else says, God said I'm worth it. And that's when I find my purpose past my pain. Would you just stretch your hands to heaven and pray with me right now. Father, I thank you for your goodness and for your love. And I'm just asking you today on this special day of Mother's Day, Lord, that all the pain can turn into purpose. That God, just like those mamas forget the pain of birth when they hold the child, I pray that you help us to forget our pain as we hold your promise. Move us now 
from memorializing pain to embracing purpose. And we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. I know it's Mother's Day, so let me, uh, let me just share this tidbit with you. They're going to pray. If you've got a special need, if you'll come up, we'll pray for you. I want you to be able to spend some time with your mama today, but I, I want you to hear what I'm going to say. You know that Thomas Edison was kicked out of school when he was just a young boy, and his teacher said about him that he's not capable of learning sent him home his mama brought him home and her response was what do they what do they know about raising or, or trying to educate a genius and so she encouraged him in his endeavors because nothing could hold his attention very long he had such a curious mind and he wanted to dig into things and find out how things worked and she just let him do it and 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 he grew and grew in his capacity until he helped to break a dark world open with light that's god's dna <laughs> where there's darkness let there be light and let me just say to you today that God wants to impart light into your heart, into your mind, into your life, your soul, so that you, my friend, can carry it to others. So as we walk out of here today, let's walk out letting God's light of love shine through us. Amen. God bless you today. If you've got a need, come forward. If not, may the Lord smile on you and keep you, cause you to understand that you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. He's going to bless you in the city and in the country. He'll bless you everywhere you go. Just keep your eyes fixed on Him. God bless you today.
strong.